I know you're looking forward to the jokes. <laughs> there were these bunch of boys, like 10, 12 years old. They were in a circle and down on the pavement on the street. <clears throat> and the pastor came walking down the street. And he said, boys, what are you doing? And they had a little dog sitting in the middle of the circle. And they were sitting around there, and he said, now, boys, please tell me, what, what are you doing? He said, we're seeing who can tell the biggest lie, and whoever can tell the biggest lie will get the puppy. And he said, now, you boys know better than that. He said, you know it's a sin to lie. He said, and he said you should not be doing that. He said, when I was your age, I never told a lie. And they just sat there a while. And then a little six-year-old boy got up and said to the rest, Give him the doll. <laughs> now, the next, I'm going to give you two again. Okay? I don't get to do this that often. But Joe said something on his last Sunday before he went on vacation. That may, and you will see how it ties in with this next joke. Uh, the uh, police department, they have these canine units, and this canine officer had just got a new dog, big police dog that was trained, you know, to go with him when he went out on calls and everything. It was their first call that came in, uh, burglary in progress. And he drives up to this address where they told him this burglary supposedly was in progress. And sure enough, the door was standing wide open when it should have been closed at that time of night. And he opened the door and he gave the command to the dog to go in into the, through the door. And the dog ran in. He wasn't in very long, though. And he noticed the dog came backing out of the door. He wasn't, didn't turn around and run off. He backed out to the door. And he thought, what is wrong with this dog? So he, his eyes met, happened to lift up from the dog, and he saw across the door, it said, veterinary office. <laughs> and Joe had told, before Joe left, he told us their dog was going to go in to be new. So that's the joke for the day. The other one is the time I have left to preach. <laughs> my, my wife threatened me with an alarm clock if I run over time today. So I have my watch going here that I can see what, what it's, uh, time it is. Living in the now. You know, the world is in, and the country is in such bad shape today. In my 88 years, I have never seen or heard all these bad things that are going on, anything like it. Believe it or not, I can remember Alf Landon and Roosevelt when he ran the first time. Uh, my mother had to get that verified because I also remembered something one time. She said, you couldn't remember it, and she figured it out. You were nine months old, but we ran into the woman. that she had, My mother was in the garden, and she handed me across the fence the new neighbors had just moved in. And 
to hand me across the fence. And I remember that. I remember being handed across that fence. And my mother said, you can't remember it. Then a few weeks later, we ran into the woman that she handed me across the fence to. And my mother said, now you tell me, do you remember this happening? She said, yes. She said, I remember. She said, and my mother scared him half to death. He starts kicking and screaming. And I had to hand him back over the fence. Now, uh, I'm not throwing slurs at anybody, but she was a plain lady, tall and thin. She was about 6'3". She was very tall for a lady and very thin. And she had, was sickly and she, had, she was dressed in black from a black sunbonnet, black all the way down, and it scared me. So, anyhow, so I do remember back. I have a very good memory, they tell me. I remember the Depression. We were poor and we didn't even know it. I mean, we had rabbit at our house every Sunday. I had a sister that had a, was in something like 4-H, and she had rabbits for a project, and they got out of hand. And we had rabbits all over the place. And every Sunday we had rabbit for Sunday dinner that today I can't even eat a rabbit. I mean, I can't, if a hunter comes out, like I have brothers-in-law that hunt, and if they ask me there to dinner, they know better than to put a rabbit on the table. I, I, I've had my share of it. I can remember back when six gallons of gas were 99 cents. I can still see the sandwich sign in front of my dad's gas tank. I remember the, the uh, 12 cents a dozen for eggs. Five cents for a loaf of bread. And we didn't think we were going through difficult times. I mean, Betty and I often talk about it. We think we lived in the best times. We were better off than our parents before us, and we're better off than our children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren are who are coming after us. And we wonder just what is it going to be like for them, the way this world is going today. I remember Pearl Harbor. I remember where I was. I was in front of the radio listening to a church broadcast by a family called the Musser family from North, uh, from York, Pennsylvania. And they broke in on the radio station and said that Pearl Harbor had been attacked. I remember World War, uh, well, that was World War II. I remember the Korean War because I served in it myself. I remember Vietnam, and now I can't name off all the skirmishes this country has been in since then, but I remember them, and they're getting worse and worse all the time. I, I, I would love to be able to go back sometime to, to the way things were instead of the way they are today. Back then, the legislators in Washington, in Tallahassee, they wouldn't have had the guts to come before you, the voters, that put them in office and tell you they're going to ban Bible from the school, Bible and Lord's Prayer from the school. They would never have had the gall to even do that. They'd have been hard feathered and run out of town back then. But look what's happening today. They're taking all our privileges away from us. And one of these days, they're going to try to shut the doors on churches. 
too, uh, because after all, or take the cross off the steeple, after all, it offends somebody. Well, you don't have to go there. But they're saying offense me burst, and I think they're offended by my symbols that they see. Since the Bible is out of school, what, have, what has happened to our school system? Well, we have more dope and drugs in school today than we ever had before. And in fact, I don't ever remember having drugs in school when I was a kid. The worst thing you could do when I was a kid was, go, and I was in a rural community, was get the corn silk. And after it turned brown, and swipe a pack of cigarette papers in the local grocery store and make cigarettes out of them. That's the worst trouble you could get in back in my day. Today, whew, today, and I'm going to tell you something, the, the conditions in the school today, I blame on parents. I blame on parents. There's no discipline in the homes anymore like there was. My father, if he would have been living and raising me in this generation, they'd have put him in jail for child abuse because he wasn't afraid until I was six years old to put down my britches and get, give me a paddling on the seat of my education. And today, ooh, you can't do that. I know people that are afraid to even correct their kids. And I heard one woman say one time, you wait till I get you home because she was afraid to discipline her child in, a, in the grocery store for fear some do-gooder would be in there and report her and have the police come pick her up. Back in the days when I went to school, I, you can probably tell by my personality, I guess, that I, I talked a lot when I shouldn't have. <laughs> and, and I got in trouble in school. If they'd have had Ridlin back in those days, I probably would have been on Ridlin. But anyway, I always got in trouble. And we had a little busybody my age that was glad to quick run up home, you know, up past, she lived past where I lived, run up there and quick go in and tell my dad, Johnny got in trouble today. He talked too much. I didn't only get the punishment I got from the teacher, and the teacher would make me put my hands out and she slapped them real good with a ruler. I got home, my dad slapped me some more, but not on my hand. And finally, when I got to be about 12 years old, I, I had been well educated. <laughs> the Bible even says, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. Now, I don't believe in beating them, but I think when you correct me, I know a family had two young girls, and from the time they could walk and uh, get up around the coffee table, you know, that if you have a baby in the house, coffee tables are the worst thing, because they like to go there and pull stuff off the coffee table, and they got smacked on their fingers, and a couple times got a couple of spots across the diaper backside, which didn't hurt their feelings more than it hurt them. But those kids learned, and after they were about two, three years old, we didn't have to worry about them doing stuff like that. You can train up a child in the, in the way that he should go, and he won't depart from it. Now, how do we live in the now? With all these things that 
can disturb us and disgust us. This message today, the heart of the message today, is a little different from what I usually preach because I have more a whole lot of scriptures to try to encourage you with all the bad things going around going on around us. And it says in Deuteronomy thirty one eight. It's a comforting thought, and it says, And it is the Lord that goes before you. He will be with you, he will not fail you nor forsake you. Fear not, neither tremble and be dismayed. You know, we get we get ourselves all upset and I I'm as guilty as anybody, I guess, in the way things are going. But we as Christians, we should put our trust in him. It says, if we, we should trust in him, he will not fail you. He won't forsake you. We go down to the next one, with Psalm 37. The steps of a good man are established by the Lord. He sets his course. Though he fall, he shall not be hurt, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. How often I've heard people come to me and say, oh boy, but I, I, I said I accepted the Lord, but I stumbled. I did this or I did that, something that they feel has put a wall up between them and God. But it doesn't. There is no wall there. All you have to do is say, Lord. I goofed it up again. Forgive me for my sins and pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and keep on trucking. I mean, uh, it, it's uh, the, the Lord, it says, will uphold you with his hand. Proverbs 3 and 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And rely not on your own wisdom. For in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. This might be the bringing. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And he will direct your path. We think we know best. We think, well, that's not the way to do it. I know a lot of people like that. My way or the highway. But that's not the way to live in these troubled times. We should live trouble-free, clear conscience, because God is with us. He will direct our path. And then we have Matthew, the sixth chapter, and uh, starting at verse 25, uh, that I find very much comfort in for times like this. And if, if what I'm reading is a little bit different than what your Bible says, it's I'm using the preset. It's a, a interpretation or a translation rather from the original Armenian into there's only one translation from the Armenian directly into the English, and this is one that's used by primarily by the Orthodox churches, and uh, I, I love it. That when I was preparing a sermon, normally I only read it, compare it to, to see if I really understand the thought. But in it, starting at the 25th verse, 6th chapter, for this reason I say to you, do not worry for your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, nor for your body, what you will wear. Behold, 
is not life much more important than food and the body than than clothing? You know, don't worry. We, we worry too much about things. Observe the birds of the sky. Now we like to For they do not sow, neither do they harvest nor gather into barns. And yet your Father in heaven feeds them. Are you not much more important than they? Now, one translation says sparrows. It calls them sparrows, the birds. And, you know, sparrows can be a nuisance. But yet they're important to God enough that he takes care of them and he feeds them. Who is among you who by wearing can add one inch to his to his stature, one cubit to his stature? Yeah. By worry about things you have no control over. We sit and worry about things that oftentimes we have, we have nothing to do with this. No matter what we do, we can't change it. Why do you worry about clothing? Observe the wild flowers, how they grow. They do not get tired out, nor do they spin. But I say to you that not even Solomon, with all of his glory, was arrayed like one of the flowers of the field. And now, being this written over in the Holy Land, I found out that in the uh, other translations, where it says lilies of the field and everything, it really is animals. You know, at Easter you used to see a lot of them. I don't see them down here. Maybe it's just another thing. But when you got a pot of plant, oftentimes they were animals, which are very colorful plants. Now, if God clothes in such fashion the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow falls into the fireplace, is he not much more mindful of you? Oh, ye of little faith. Therefore, do not worry or say, what will we eat or what will we drink or with what will we be clothed? The worldly people seek after all these things. Your Father in heaven knows that all of these things are necessary for you. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to take care of itself. It will look out for itself, it says. Sufficient for each day is its own trouble. I mean, what more do we want? We should have confidence. We shouldn't get upset. With that worrying about food, uh, I, I used to volunteer at God's Mountain. That's uh, Bruce Wilkerson's book called God's Mountain. It has to do with, with drug rehabilitation. And that was just a few miles from my home, about my home up in. Pennsylvania, and I can, I'll never forget, they didn't have a thing, they ate the last oatmeal for breakfast, and my wife at that time was the bookkeeper over there, and that's where I learned, got a lot of it from, and then later on I heard the superintendent give it as a testimony. They didn't know what they were going to feed those guys at lunchtime, and that time it was still small, about 30 men were in the program at that time. And they, he made them go up in the chapel and they knelt, had a kneel in there and prayed that God would provide. And sure enough, four station wagons came in, loaded with cans, like we gather on, the, you know, they came from churches. Four 
four station wagons full of food. One time they couldn't pay the mortgage and a helicopter landed on their parking lot and the guy gave them stock to his company which covered the whole payment that they wanted. They asked could they cash it right away and he said do whatever you want. He said wherever you your need is because that's where you use it. Then another way to live a good life and and without uh, all the troubles around you, you know, sometimes we make trouble. Judge not that you may not be judged, for with the same judgment that you judge, you will be judged. Don't sit and tell people that you are a better Christian than that one over there or this one over here, because you're going to be judged the same way. It'll come back to you. God will judge you the same way you judge other people. Luke 2, 22 and 23. I've got to keep moving or the alarm clock will go off. And he, and he said to his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Do not worry for your life, what you will eat, nor for your body, what you will wear. Oh, that's the same as Matthew. I'll go down to the next. Matthew 22, 37, 38. Jesus said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your mind. This is the greatest of ever, the first commandment. If you love the Lord and you love God and you want to obey his commandments, that's the greatest. And therefore we should listen to it. We should be more observant. I think oftentimes Christians forget the Ten Commandments. We don't talk about them too much. They're not laws. They're guidelines. They're guidelines. And if we can live by those guidelines, I mean, we're doing a good thing. John 16, 33, we have Christ say, These things have I said unto you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But have courage. I have comfort the world. Whenever I read this one and that word tribulation, the boys were, that were in the program at that time were not a, mostly Spanish out of New York City. And we had this one guy in there. I used to preach for them about one, at least once a month, if not twice a month up there at the, at the training farm. And anyhow, this guy came up and said, oh, and he went over to some other guy, maybe that had just been shipped in from New York, because that's where most of the, the, the guys came from. He said, he just tribulates me so bad. <laughs> so whenever I hear tribulation, I think of that guy, how he gets, got tribulated by his fellow drug addicts that were in the program there. Then we have John 14, 1 to 7. I'm getting close to the end, honey. Don't get worried. <laughs> Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now, don't get upset that this guy says rooms. After all, what are you going to do in a mansion if you're not going to be in it most of the time? We're going to be out on the streets of praising the Lord. 
So you, we don't need a mansion. A room would be sufficient for us. But anyway, he says, in my father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to me, so that where I am you may be also. You know where I'm going, and you know the way. But Thomas said to him, Our Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And that is a requirement for us to claim all the other blessings that I have read off from the other scriptures that were here. And then we'll go to Romans 12, the second verse. Do not imitate the way of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may discern that what, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not imitate the way of the world. We don't have to do things the way they do it out in the world. And we, we know we have Christian discipline within ourselves. I mean, discipline yourself according to the, what God tells us how we should do it. If we would do that, no worry. I, no matter what's going in the, on in the world around us, I have no fear. God's still on the throne. God's still controlling the world. And I have just a few more small things here that I want to give you. It seemed odd when I was making up this sermon that I got a, a thing with little scriptures, uh, scripture verses on it. And this in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Then we have Jeremiah 29, 13, where it says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. That's you know, the same as the first commandment, practically. Then First Peter 5, 7, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. Sometimes we don't feel like he cares or that he even knows what we're going through. But he does. And he cares for you. I heard a preacher say this morning, just because things don't happen in, according to your schedule, that doesn't mean that God isn't in it. We have to do things in God's timetable. If you remember the guy came and said, my daughter is dying. Could you come? I know if uh, he came to the Lord, he said, I know if you could touch her, I know she would, you know, she would be made whole. Well, there was a woman along the way that had the issue of blood, touched the hem of his garment, and that delayed him a little bit. And then right after that, it says the servant to the man that asked him to come touch his daughter came and said, don't bother the Lord anymore. She has died. Christ said, no, she's been asleep. And people shall keep on journeying on. They went to the house, and he touched it. It's in God's time. Same way with, with Lazarus. The choir used to sing. When I first joined the choir, we had a number we used to sing. Four days late, but still on time. That, that, that's what it was when Lazarus had died. 
and then uh, we have uh, that we should pursue peace, turn away from evil and do good, search for peace and work to maintain it. Then Philippians 4.13, for I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. And then 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, yet true godliness and contentment is itself great wealth. You don't need a whole lot of money to be happy. Anyway, but be content. It says true godliness and with contentment is itself greater than wealth. And then Psalm 118.24, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. God our Father, we just thank you again for the day that we've had, for that, that we could come to you, to worship you and spirit and in truth, that we might do all these uh, commands or to, that you have left us in your word, that we should live by them. And if we do, we shouldn't be worried. We shouldn't care what's going on around us because we know you're in control. And when the time comes for you to do what you should do, you will be there for us. We thank you, Lord, again. In Jesus' name, amen.